I'm communication strategist and educator Katherine Kellner. Welcome to What the F*** Do I Do With My Hands? A survival guide for public and private communications. Piece by piece, we're bringing you the human skill set the digital curriculum is leaving behind. The nuance and strategy behind face-to-face, person-to-person interaction. Having great soft palate focus in your voice and understanding how your vocal cords and resonant chambers work to create and reverberate sound is a useful foundation for the second component, articulation. The lips, teeth, and tongue work together to alter the sound waves after they've left the vocal cords. We call these our articulators. Using the lips, the teeth, and the tongue together in different relationships allows us to craft identifiable vowels and consonants. As with any physical action, concise and controlled motions are going to afford you more agency. The tongue is an incredible athletic partner in the articulation of language and sound. Eight interwoven muscles that can be exercised to ensure that the tongue is nimble and can be put into action when we are speaking, especially if the words are difficult to pronounce or we have to speak for a lengthy amount of time. When we get tongue-tied, smear consonants together, or drop the occasional nonsense word, it is often because we don't have control over our articulators, mainly the tongue. But you probably never thought about what your tongue, lips, and teeth actually feel like when you're speaking. So, let's pinpoint those areas. One of the best ways to direct some consciousness to your articulators, believe it or not, is by practicing tongue twisters. I won't be covering the clinical approach to the interaction between our articulators. Instead, we will be exercising and observing them in action to begin to understand how to improve our use of them. We will quickly discover whether we have command of our articulators when we attempt tongue twisters. We have all been frustrated when talking with someone or listening to a lecturer that mumbles, especially after they've already gotten us interested in what they're trying to communicate. Working tongue twisters regularly is an easy and effective way to correct sloppy speech and is especially useful for ESL speakers to begin to exercise regions of the mouth that their native language may not utilize in the same way as we do in English. Think of these exercises as a way to increase the accuracy and agility of your articulation. I want you to try this one and really pay attention to what each articulator is doing to make the vowels and consonants. Red leather, yellow leather, yellow leather, red leather. Please say the first phrase with me. Red leather. Together, ready, and red leather. Again, red leather. Pause here and really feel and picture your articulators as they give shape to these two words. Here is a general description of what is happening. Red starts with the lips for the er then an open mouth, flattened tongue, and lifted soft palate for the e, and ending in a hard-pressed tongue till the alveolar ridge just behind the teeth for the d. Then an upward-curled tongue contacting the alveolar ridge for the ol, and an open mouth, flattened tongue, and lifted soft palate for the e again. Then tongue forward between the teeth for the th, and returning to the lips forward, and tongue curled up inside the mouth for the er, red leather. The goal here is to first feel and then to exercise control over each word, concentrating on using your whole mouth to wrap around each syllable with specificity. Red leather, yellow leather, 
yellow leather, red leather. Together, red leather, yellow leather, yellow leather, red leather. And again, red leather, yellow leather, yellow leather, red leather. A good tip here is to purposefully overuse your lips. Exaggerate and wrap your lips around the shape of each sound. When you exaggerate the role your lips and tongue play in shaping a sound, it feels like you're twisting your entire face around a word and feels extreme, but the movements are actually quite small, and your listener won't see this additional attention to using your articulators. They will certainly hear it, though. You want to make a note to try to use your lips more in everyday speech to see if you can feel an improvement in your speech clarity. Always make sure to get a full range of motion in moments where clarity really counts. Let's try another tongue twister. Red, rugged, rubber, baby buggy bumpers. I'll say that more slowly. Red, rugged, rubber, baby, buggy, bumpers. Now together. Ready? And red, rugged, rubber, baby, buggy, bumpers. And again, red, rugged, rubber, baby, buggy, bumpers. You can choose any tongue twister that you like. Challenge yourself. The best way to exercise your articulators is to repeat the tongue twister four to five times at a speed where you are challenged but can be understood. In the beginning, you may find that your ability to shape the words in the tongue twister of your choice begins to break down after four to five repetitions. Now, some twisters are meant to be said only once, like this one. You need New York, unique New York. You know you need unique New York. By practicing regularly, you will find that your ability to articulate will improve pretty quickly. It's a lot like stretching. If you do it every day, you will begin to see marked improvement and full range of motion. <laughs> I'm serious. Practice them. I'd like to take a moment to remind listeners that visual aids for many of the episodes can be found on our website. Spanish, Japanese, and English transcripts are available under the episode title. For those of you who've asked what's coming next from the studio, we're happy to announce that this year we're building something new. A video library is in development to take us beyond our lectures on fundamentals. You can find the resources for this series at humancommunicationstudio.com slash podcasts. Now that we have covered two basic components of vocal production, soft palate focus and the articulators, and we've gotten in exercises to better understand them both, let's now begin to look at the ways the voice is expressed and defined. I'm going to take us back to something we mentioned earlier, resonance. When we vocalize, the sound waves we produce reverberate in the body. With training, the voice can be directed to resonate in many chambers and cavities. We are going to focus on the two that are most common and immediately accessible, the chest cavity and the sinus cavity. You have likely heard a person's voice described as thin. That would sound like this. It may sound like this. It may sound like this. A full voice would sound pretty much like what you've been hearing on this podcast. I want you to consider what feelings and thoughts you typically associate with each of these vocal varieties. What does a thin voice evoke? What does a full voice evoke? Keep in mind that the descriptions full and thin do not hinge on pitch. A high voice can be thin. A high voice can be full. 
A low voice is often fuller, but a low voice can sometimes be thin as well. The difference between a full voice and a thin voice is resonance. A full voice resonates in the chest cavity and sinus cavities, creating a strong, full-bodied sound that can be projected and fill a room. A thin voice has very little resonance and therefore feels close and contained. A thin voice also requires strain to become louder, raising volume in what could be perceived as a shout. Full resonant voices are interpreted as strong, confident, and put the listener at ease. A listener will link a resonant voice with command of the material being discussed, while thin, non-resonant voices are often perceived as less secure, meek, uncertain, or strained. Everyone's voice is different. Your speaking voice may be higher pitched, or it may be lower pitched. We want to do a little self-exploration, experimenting with pitch and resonance to determine what we can do to ensure our voice is easy to listen to, projects out, and conveys confidence, security, and power. To help us with this, we'll return to the open mouth hum with the back of the tongue lifted up into the soft palate. Let's use that H-U-N-G sound for five seconds on a low pitch, like this. Hung. Now, together. Ready? And. Now, once more. And again, pay close attention to where you feel vibration. Do you feel it in the top of your head, your face, your throat, your chest? Let's repeat that. Ready? And. Let's do the exercise again, and this time on a high pitch, like this. Now, once more, pay close attention to where you feel the vibration. Do you feel it in the top of your head, your face, your throat, or your chest? Ready? And. A higher pitch resonates in the sinuses and head and is often called a head voice, while a lower pitch is going to resonate more in the chest. But with a little practice, you can move that resonance around. I can start up here and go down here and come back up here and go back down here. Attempting to create vibration and resonance throughout the pitch change. Remember when we first started with the closed-lipped hum and we moved the vibratory focus from behind the lips to the back of the mouth? This shifting of vibration can be done throughout the body with your sound. Your target is to find the range that will be most engaging for your listener. And I'll reiterate that a lower-pitched resonant voice will give the impression of confidence and command of subject material. If you have a higher-pitched voice, you may consider dropping your pitch. No matter what pitch your voice is speaking at, you may want to modulate up and down in pitch to bring variety and vibrance to your speaking voice. You can exercise your lower pitches with the open mouth hum. In the course of my work, I found that listening to a high, thin voice over a duration of time can be more labor-intensive for the listener or audience. You want to create an atmosphere where it's pleasant to listen to you. 
What we are trying to do is find the best reverberation to add strength and fullness to the way you naturally speak. The shifts will be a little different for everyone. Some of the most revered voices in modern time exhibit a vocal production that reverberates in the sternum, which can produce a truly heavenly sound. You might want to try and direct your vocal vibrations there first. Place your hand on your chest or on the top of your head to feel the sound reverberating in your bones or cranium. The exercise of humming sound, whether in a closed-lipped hum or a hum closed off at the soft palate, and attempting to send that humming reverberation around into other parts of your body, bones in the chest, back, or even into your lower limbs, is an interesting way to begin to explore expressing sound in resonance. Once you feel like you have this down, add a few spoken words and phrases into the mix to practice speaking with resonance and with soft palate focus. Go back and forth, resonating your voice toward the sinuses and back down towards the chest. It's worth examining what feelings are evoked by hearing your voice in these different variations. If you find the sound, to be a major change from how you usually speak, the thought of adopting that change can feel a little daunting. But with practice, you will find a zone in which you feel comfortable. Even those that already possess a naturally strong vocal presence can benefit from fine-tuning their resonance and placement. And remember, the stronger the diaphragmatic support, the easier it's going to be to get the resonance down in your chest. Before we leave this episode, I want to build upon stance. You will recall that we discussed a wide basic stance in our last episode. Vocal pitch can also be lowered by how we hold our frame. Your voice matches your body. A wide full stance is conducive to producing a pitch at the lower part of your range. A narrow stance will be conducive to a voice pitched at the higher part of your vocal range. The practice of a well-placed voice clear articulation and awareness of resonance and pitch modulation all together set you up to allow a more powerful voice that can be enhanced by the stance of your body. While using stance as a way to support the voice is not a shortcut for well-developed vocal production, practicing a basic to wider stance will utilize the body's frame to produce lower, fuller, more confident sounds. Many times, I will have a client that will counterbalance their body with a wider stance and their vocal production will undergo a powerful and surprising readjustment. This is also applicable to the seated frame. Legs wide apart, feet flat on the floor, is going to feel a lot different when speaking than with one leg crossed tightly over the other with a narrowed frame. Try alternating back and forth between the two while seated to get an idea of how this affects your body and voice. While I have been advocating for a lower, fuller, more resonant voice, there are also interactions that require a more contained and quiet voice. Remember that a narrow stance or a quarter turn can also begin to support a different vocal choice than full front, wide stance, full voice. While you are practicing your voice and stance and observing how they match one another, it's a good opportunity to also practice a few tongue twisters. I encourage you to pay attention to your voice as an instrument that is not isolated only in the vocal cords, but is truly a tool that encompasses the whole body. 
Here are the key ideas to remember from this episode. The articulators, the lips, the teeth, and the tongue, allow you to craft sound into separate intelligible syllables. The more awareness and control you have over the articulators, the better you will be able to pronounce and enunciate with clarity. Tongue twisters are a great way to exercise these articulators. The more you practice, the more control you will be afforded. It's a good idea to give your articulators a warm-up after you've warmed up your voice. It doesn't take long and is a good preventative measure against falling into sloppy speech when it counts. Resonance is the reverberation of sound in different cavities of the body, and full resonance is essential to having your voice carry in a room. You will find that at different pitches, your voice will resonate in the chest, the head, or the sinuses. Resonance is the difference between a full and a thin-sounding voice. Pitches at the lower end of your speaking range will resonate more in the chest than higher pitches, but remember that with some practice, you can move some of that resonance around. The goal is to modulate your pitch and increase resonance in a combination that will be most pleasant for your listener, especially if they will be listening to you for a long time. I advocate that you start with a pitch at the lower end of your range and focus on resonating the voice from the sternum. That's a good place to start. Tongue twister bonus round. 22 tulips twicks the twill. 22 tulips twicks the twill. Six shining soldiers. Six shining soldiers. She sells seashells by the seashore. She sells seashells by the seashore. Peter Piper picked a peck of pickled peppers. Peter Piper picked a peck of pickled peppers. Theophilus Thistle, the successful thistle sifter, in sifting a sieve full of unsifted thistles, thrust 3,000 thistles through the thick of his thumb. Theophilus Thistle, the successful thistle sifter, in sifting a sieve full of unsifted thistles, thrust 3,000 thistles through the thick of his thumb. I'm not a pheasant plucker, I'm a pheasant plucker's son, but I'll be plucking pheasant when the pheasant plucker's done. I'm not a pheasant plucker, I'm a pheasant plucker's son, but I'll be plucking pheasant when the pheasant plucker's done. To sit in solemn silence in a dull, dark dock, in a pestilential prison with a lifelong lock, awaiting the sensation of a short, sharp shock from a cheap and chippy chopper on a big black block. To sit in solemn silence in a dull, dark dock, in a pestilential prison with a lifelong lock, awaiting the sensation of a short, sharp shock from a cheap and chippy chopper on a big black block. A dull, dark dock, a lifelong lock, a short, sharp shock, a big black block, to sit in solemn silence in a pestilential prison, awaiting the sensation from a cheap and chippy chopper on a big black block. What the F*** Do I Do With My Hands is written and produced by me, Katherine Kellner, and our team at the Human Communication Studio. Audio is mixed by Pete Gonzalez. Our music was composed by Jake Sorgan. Japanese translations by Minami Yamauchi Espinosa. Spanish translation by Noemi Salazar Mata. Leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts is a great way to show your support for this series. When we're not working hard to record free material, our office is available for contract, for speaking engagements, group lectures, office education, and private strategic consulting. You can contact us at info at humancommunicationstudio.com. Thanks for listening. 
It's my privilege to share this work with you.